This is District Sentinel Radio, the newscast of record for the left. I am Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We're broadcasting out of Pistown, Washington, D.C. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. We're home of the world champion, Washington Nationals. And I'm not going to do what you all think I'm going to do on this show, which is convert to Catholicism. Or are you? (laughs) You're going to make me try here? I, yeah, I'm going to make you do it. First of all, we should be immensely proud of ourselves for performing a successful exorcism. (laughs) I know, a couple Jews, not so bad. (laughs) But now we got to give the listeners what they want, which evidently is your conversion to Catholicism, which you promised after game six on Twitter. I took it back, though. When the Nats, well, you can't really take that back. God was listening. Didn't we look into this? Can't you only convert on Easter? (laughs) This is fucking Halloween. This is like Satan's day. This is like the worst day to convert, isn't it? No, no. Well, it's All Saints Day, isn't it? Isn't that the, uh, isn't that the Catholic, or is that tomorrow? I think All Saints Day is tomorrow, the the Day of the Dead in Mexico, Mm. uh, Toussaint, in France, this is this is a thing. This is happening. Well, I, I'm a Jew. We don't convert to Catholicism. Well, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes it goes the <laughs> other way, but it never goes no, Jew to Catholic. I, it doesn't sorry. work that way. I feel like, I mean, I'm I'm definitely not a good Jew. Like I don't recognize the high holy days. I don't as much as I should. I don't engage in the customs. I don't go to temple nearly as often as I should. But I feel like if I started the process of converting to Catholicism, I'd have like a hundred dead Jewish ancestors materialize in front of me and kick my ass. Yeah, well, you also have a bunch of uh, podcast subscribers and Twitter followers (laughs) who might kick your ass if you don't do this. So let's just get this over with. I googled some things and I am going to convert you to Catholicism. No. (laughs) Dost thou renounce sainted Excuse me, Miss Prez. Got off to a great start here. Dost thou renounce Satan and all his works and all his pomps? No. <laughs> well, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. All right, we'll see if that worked. <laughs> you were supposed to say I do. Well, I'm not converting. You just did. Uh, that you are in the light of the Lord. <laughs> All right, should we uh, get to the news? Hey, the uh, Chicago Teachers Union strike is over. News coming in here as we are walking into the studio. Apparently, a tentative deal has been reached. One of the main sticking points at the end was whether or not teachers and students would get makeup days uh, from the strike. Um, and I guess a compromise was struck where they'll get five makeup days and school resumes tomorrow on Friday. That's kind of shitty for the students. Re- really testing the, the solidarity of the students there with those makeup days. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. I'd say testing the solidarity of the students with a let's resume school on Friday thing instead of just Monday. But oh, well, I well, I understand the perspective of the teachers here. 
I'm looking out for the students who don't, shouldn't have to go to school on Friday. Isn't Friday at elementary school sort of like Friday everywhere where they do movies and stuff? And uh, Yeah, maybe. But after 11 days off, easily. maybe they're going to try and cram a bunch of bullshit in there. Yeah, that would suck. Kids who've just been off, they, they're not going to be tuned in yet. They're going to have to give them a weekend to prepare for this is what I'm saying. At least make it fun. Do like some quiz show. Uh, thing where you hand out M&Ms, you know. Yeah. It's like you didn't, like A.J. Hinch last night didn't want to bring Garrett Cole in in the middle of an inning. They're not used to him inheriting runners coming in in the middle. Garrett Cole comes in to start a game. Students can't just be thrown in on a Friday after 11 days off work. Let them start on Monday and then add those days at the end of the year. <laughs> All right, it's Thursday, October 31st, 2019. Here's the news. The House held its first vote today on impeachment proceedings. Members approved of formal rules in a vote that was almost along party lines. Republicans stood united because Justin Amash is now an independent. He was ahead of most Dems on this issue and voted with every one of them except two. Jeff Van Drew and Colin Peterson voted no with Republicans. Peterson is from eastern Minnesota, representing a district that's almost two-thirds rural and 91% white. I think he's one of the few remaining blue dogs left in Congress. Van Drew, meanwhile, reps southern New Jersey, which is substantially more diverse and urban. His district encompasses a lot of the Philly suburbs, of course, in addition to Jersey Shore Blue Lives Matter guys. Also Atlantic City, which Trump famously (laughs) helped ruin as a businessman. No quid pro quo, baby. (laughs) As you can imagine, the president did not take the news well. He tweeted, the greatest witch hunt in American history, exclamation point, with the first letter of every word capitalized. (laughs) He also tweeted, quote, the impeachment hoax is hurting our stock market. The do-nothing Democrats don't care. A preview of what his recession governing style would look like, I guess, except without the racist incitement to violence. One interesting quirk to this whole process is how it will impact the Democratic primary campaign in an actual physical sense. As the Washington Post reported yesterday, it looks like the House will be done with impeachment after Thanksgiving, later than House Dems had initially hoped, reportedly because people keep coming forward and offering to testify. That means the timing is just just imagining like a line of people just wanting to <laughs> explain why the president is doing what he's doing uh, and uh, anyway that means the timing of this looks increasingly problematic for senators who are running for president bernie sanders elizabeth warren kamala harris cory booker not gonna bother naming the other two joe biden and pete Buttigieg would you gain mean tulsi gabbard <laughs> <laughs> thank you ann coulter for that moment of levity today uh just gonna explain this in case you're not as online as us but uh, someone had said that Tulsi Gabbard, someone on the right had said had criticized Tulsi Gabbard for voting for the impeachment uh, proceedings, and to which po- point Ann Coulter replied that Tulsi, who is in the House, was not voting on it because she's a senator, <laughs> uh, and senators didn't vote on that. And like, well wi- done, Ann. Well I done. Think the tweet's still up. Wikipedia is right there, Ann. Right there, free for you to use. Anyway, this would give a, a sort of a leg up to Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg as the other six would be forced to step away from the campaign trail just before the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary. New York Mag noted that 
Senate rules require the upper chamber to proceed directly to impeachment trial after the House votes, and senators then have to be in session every day of the week, quote, Sunday accepted, as the manual states. Pretty fucked up they're making Bernie sit through impeachment proceedings on Shabbos. Yeah. Anyway, as alluded to, Mitch McConnell, why do you care? You're a Catholic now. (laughs) Mitch McConnell might not be able to delay the start of the trial, as alluded to, though perhaps he could prolong it to fuck with Sanders and Warren at a critical juncture in 2020. Reminder that we would not even be having this conversation if Nancy Pelosi thought people other than Hunter Biden were human beings and started to whip on impeachment much, much earlier. Yeah, one of the rare times where you could see the Democratic Party establishment working with Mitch McConnell here on the timing of this Senate trial to get Bernie Sanders off the campaign trail. I'm not sure how much the uh, Democratic establishment wants Biden. I mean, you would think they would want him just, you know, looking at at how his brain works. Well, either Biden or Buttigieg. Sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Moving on, the Senate Homeland Security... Oh, carrying water for Elizabeth Warren. (laughs) (laughs) The Senate Homeland Security Committee convened a hearing on 5G technology, the next step in wireless deployment that will support the vast requirements of the Internet of Things. And unexpectedly, the hearing turned into a condemnation of the U.S. free enterprise system, which was tight as hell. The issue at hand in the hearing is why the U.S., a world leader in 4G deployment, is falling behind other countries, mainly China, in 5G deployment. Wireless that is faster and can transmit more information. You might wonder why this hearing isn't taking place in the Senate Commerce Committee or something like that. It's because this is America and we're a warmongering empire. So the idea that China has more 5G than we do is an issue for the Homeland Security Committee. Of all people on the committee, though, it was Mitt Romney who started connecting the dots in the hearing that maybe for-profit corporations aren't the best engine for innovation in the U.S. or for relying on to wire the country. Here he was questioning FCC Commissioner Jessica Rosenworcel. I guess I'd like to address my question to all of you or whoever would like to respond to it as to how it is that, uh, if you will, free market economies Uh, were unsuccessful in establishing our own lead with regards to 5G. How is it that that Chinese companies were able to get so far ahead of us on the track that we're trying to chase them and catch up to them? I think the evidence is around for all of us to see. In today's Wall Street Journal, it mentions how China will have 130,000 cell sites equipped for 5G by the end of the year. South Korea will have 75,000, and the United States will have 10,000. The truth is we've rested on our 4G laurels. And that's not a good place to sit. Rested on our 4G laurels is a term for not investing anymore. Companies just don't invest in infrastructure improvements or anything like that because it's simply not profitable in the short term. I'm not going to go off claiming China's a communist country or anything because they're not. But they do certainly have a more controlled economy that allows them to just deploy things when they want to deploy things. Next, here was Rosenworcel further explaining another fundamental flaw in the American economic system. But here's some important data points. At the turn of the millennium, there were 13 big network equipment providers around the world. By the time the 4G revolution started, there were seven. Now we've got three or four. 
And I think we have to be honest about the fact that we are allowing consolidation to take place among our largest wireless providers. And by doing that, we are reducing the number of providers that equipment manufacturers can sell to. It gets harder and harder to get into the business under those circumstances. That's a problem. All right. So hopefully that answers Mitt Romney's question, who of all people should already know the answer as someone who made a fortune stripping companies down to the bone and turning them for profit. He's doing his Chris Hayes impression here. Why is this happening? happening? (laughs) There's something else at work here, though, too. A strategy by the FCC, which deprioritized 5G deployment in rural areas. Rather than focusing on what's called the mid-range band for 5G rollout, a range that other countries are focusing on because it has a much wider reach and is perfect for connecting rural areas, the FCC has focused on high band spectrum, which only transmits a few hundred feet. Here is Rosenworcel explaining it further when asked by Senator James Lankford. Why isn't there a conversation on the mid-band right now? Well, there is a conversation, Senator, on mid-band spectrum right now. My primary concern is that the FCC during this administration has chosen to put all of its early efforts on high band. We have auctioned the 24 gigahertz band, the 28 gigahertz band. By the end of this year, we will have the 37 gigahertz band, the 39 gigahertz band, and the 47 gigahertz band. So why not the mid-range? You and I have the same question. I think we should have prioritized the 3.5 gigahertz band and done it two years ago because those are the airwaves that are going to help us reach rural America and urban America. We're making a mistake, and the rest of the world is not auctioning high-band spectrum. There are 16 nations right now that have already brought mid-band spectrum to market. That's where the bulk of the economy is going for wireless, for 5G, and the United States is behind. So in other words, uh, IGIP Pi at the FCC wants to make sure Manhattan is wired before Ohio. Another problem with the focus on high band is around the 24 gigahertz channel. You heard uh, Rosenworcel mention that. It's going to fuck up weather forecasting. We've talked about it on the show before, how once that spectrum is filled with devices transmitting data, there will be a bleed into channels just below 24 gigahertz, which are currently relied on to measure water vapor molecules, which is the basis for modern global weather forecasting. Surprisingly, that issue didn't come up in today's hearing, but it is a topic of discussion on the other side of the world in Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, where the World Radio Communications Conference is underway. Negotiations are expected to last a month and result in, among other things, global guidelines on 5G spectrum. The U.S. delegation stands at odds with other delegations from around the world that are pushing for stricter regulations on 5G spectrum to avoid damage to weather forecasting. It's great that uh, that our FCC is ruining our weather forecasting capabilities right at a time of increasing frequency of superstorms. Yeah, it's, it's excellent. You know, I've we we've I've previously framed this wrongly, saying that like we can't have 5G in modern weather forecasting. We can. But for some reason, IGPI at the FCC is demanding we only deploy it on a spectrum that will fuck up our weather forecasting. Hmm. Something's fishy there indeed. Some labor news for you. 24 Democrats and 20 Republicans in the House have announced support for compromise legislation that would impact the agricultural labor market. The bill would make what seem like mostly technical changes to the so-called H-2A visa program for migrant farm workers. 
More importantly, it would establish a path to legal status for the many undocumented people who work on farms, often only to get cruelly exploited specifically because they have no legal rights in this country. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, agricultural work is some of the most dangerous work there is, ranking eighth in terms of fatal occupational injury rates. A Department of Agriculture study in 2005 estimated that more than half of all farm workers in the United States are undocumented immigrants. The bill has the support of some industry groups and the United Farm Workers. UFW President Arturo Rodriguez said the bill involved, quote, months of negotiations in a press release yesterday. Rodriguez said his organization was, quote, enthusiastic about passing legislation that honors all farm workers who feed America by creating a way for undocumented workers to apply for legal status, end of quote. Now, as you might expect from a bill that received Republican support, the path to citizenship isn't exactly exploding with compassion. According to lead GOP co-sponsor Dan Newhouse, applicants must demonstrate 180 days of farm employment over the last two years, and also, quote, qualified applicants are provided five-year renewable agricultural visas. There's also this. Those applying for permanent status must pay a $1,000 fine. Also, if you worked on a farm for less than 10 years before passage, you need to work an additional eight years in agriculture before applying for legal permanent status. So uh, I guess you have to do a lot of more toiling in the field before you can get citizenship. But the good news is if your boss is being an asshole and just like fucking abusing the shit out of you, you wouldn't feel bad that you would report it to a regulator and, I don't know, get deported. Additionally, the compromise legislation would mandate that all farms would have to be subject to mandatory E-Verify checks. Not a good thing at all. It is a program that was designed to make things harder for undocumented workers, as Current Affairs magazine noted in late 2018. Finally, the Federal Trade Commission released a new report on Thursday showing just how prevalent mass market consumer fraud is in the U.S. The data is from 2017 and is similar to studies conducted in 2011, 2005, and 2003. Well, here's what the FTC found for 2017. Almost 16% of respondents to the survey said they have been victims of fraud. That's about 40 million people. And this isn't just boomers falling for email scams. The data actually shows that the age cohort most likely to be defrauded was 35 to 54. Also, folks who had recently suffered tragedy, like a serious illness or death of a loved one, were more likely to be victims of fraud as well. The FTC listed the most common types of schemes, fraudulent weight loss products, fraudulent computer repairs, being falsely told that they owed money to the government, unauthorized billing for buying club memberships, unauthorized billing for an item for a cell phone, also fraudulent prize promotions. About 54% of all the scams involved uh, products or promotions on the internet. That's an increase from 2011 when only about a third of scams were internet-based. Makes sense. Welcome to Scammer Nation. It's not surprising how many younger people are uh, being ripped off when you read some of those scams and... Uh, one by one, preying on people's economic insecurities there. Absolutely. 
All right, that is the newscast for today. So boomers are turning us into boomers by ruining the economy <laughs> and forcing us <laughs> into these fucking clickbait, these uh, phishing scams. Okay, boomer. <laughs> All right, let's uh, end things there. We've got the Garbage Can Show coming out for subscribers tomorrow. We're also interviewing journalist Ken Klippenstein on tomorrow's show. He's got a new report uncovering pretty broad use of lethal force guidelines for the u.s military at the border it's some scary shit so if you want to hear ken's interview as well as our garbage can proceedings tomorrow go to patreon.com slash district sentinel sign up five bucks a month so you can listen to the show and all of our other subscriber only content if you really want to listen to the show but you find yourself currently cash strapped maybe you've been defrauded recently scammed just uh shoot us a dm or uh, email us and we'll uh, put you on the temporarily unsubscribed list so you can still get our content if you're not a subscriber we'll be back next week with the newscasts we're here in dc so you don't have to be <laughs>